0: Decision will be a big one for Ben Charrington, but there's no reason whatsoever that it should be a complicated one. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Sunday will bring... The first round of Major League Baseball's draft. And in turn, it'll bring the Pirates at long last making the first selection. And when I say at long last, it's because it feels like we've been talking about this a long time. Well, try to imagine from inside 115 Federal how long and how much They've been talking about it. They've had to go through a draft class that for the most part really didn't even play baseball that much over the past year and a half because of the pandemic. They'll be picking first in a draft unlike any other with less information certainly in terms of what a prospect can or can't do on the field than at any point in the history of the game. There are challenges to it. There are a couple of college pitchers that we've all watched in recent months. Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker at Vanderbilt. There's a catcher also at the college ranks, Henry Davis, Louisville. And we see them, and we see their ages, and we can picture them right away. Ooh, they can be in Pittsburgh within, you know, a year or two. Especially when you watch them on TV, and they're real people, and if they have frames that are filled out, especially the way Rocker does, you say, wow, I mean, that guy, he's better than Will Crow, who I watched yesterday. He's better than, you know, any number of other insert name here guys on the major league staff and then there's the high school kids which are a lot harder to gauge of course they are they're a lot younger at the high school level in addition they're facing competition that has has no business sharing a diamond with them most of the kids that they're competing against won't even be playing baseball a year from now. They'll get on with whatever it is that they're going to do in life. And You'll see a batting average that says 542, and you'll go, Wow, that must mean they're great, when in fact it just means that they were lucky to get that many strikes to hit instead of swinging out of the zone. Really, really tough. A couple of shortstops have risen up. Marcelo Mayer out of San Diego's East Lake High School. Jordan Lawler out of Dallas Jesuit Prep. And there's no consensus. Uh, The closest anyone comes to a consensus, if you look across all of the various rankings and the people who are the most respected in putting these together uh baseball america as an entity uh ESPN uh with with Keith Law and Jim Callis now MLB Pipeline uh does a much more thorough job than one would expect from a house organ. They're very good at it. Most of their experts as well as the analytical types like fan graphs point to mayor the shortstop from san diego but there is no overwhelming oh wow gotta take this guy there's no Steven Strasburg. there's nobody that really rises above bryce harper so what do you do if you're the pirates what do you do do you draft for need no way No way. That's ridiculous. And anybody who brings it up probably doesn't pay that much attention to baseball, let alone baseball drafts. This isn't football. You're not the Steelers who need a running back, and then they go get Najee Harris in the first round, and the very next game the Steelers play, there's Najee Harris starting in the backfield. Wow, that's really cool. Doesn't work in baseball. Doesn't even work for the most advanced of college guys. They've got to climb the ladder like everybody else or they'll get eaten up at the big league level. What do you do? Who do you take? What's your priority? What's your criteria? Do you play around a little bit with the top prospects in the field and say, well, you know, maybe if we sell everyone on the idea that even we don't know who we're going to take, the prospect and their parents and their advisor agent will drop their price knowing that it's important to us that we'd be able to spread around some of that bonus cap money. Hmm. So if you're Ben Charrington and you make that known that you'd like to get a lot of good players. You'd like to get 20 good players out of a draft, even though you really only ever get a couple out of each class that makes any kind of impact in the bigs. If you make it known that that's your priority, that you want to make sure that you can get more than one, and you kind of play with that class, and you get them thinking, you know what, if I lower my bonus demand just a little bit, Maybe I'll have the honor of being the first player picked. If you ask me, that's what's been going on here. If you ask me, this is Charrington playing this field. But that doesn't mean that the Pirates are going to come away with the player who takes the lowest bonus. They have a group of five or six, and they say, all right, whichever one of these has the smallest demand, that's the one we're going to take. I don't believe that for a second. I do believe that they would use this as a technique to try to get the number down for the best player, the one that they see as the best player. I do believe that the Pirates will draft Marcelo Mayer. I do. That doesn't mean I'm going to be right. That doesn't mean it's based on anything specific that I'm hearing on this front. But I believe that they're going to go for the player they feel is the best. And there are way too many experts and publications who've tilted toward Mayer for me to accept that at least some of that information, some of that feel, didn't emanate from the Pirates scouts themselves. Those scouts will talk to those draft Nick reporters. I know this because I once was one of them. I worked for Baseball America. And they'll tell you anything you want to know. As long as their name isn't attached to it. So when you're hearing mayor this, mayor that. That tells me that at least some of that, some of that is coming from PNC Park. And as such, if you're Charrington, you'd have no benefit whatsoever. We're telling people, oh, yeah, mayor's our guy. Because then if you're mayor and his parents and his advisor slash agent, you're saying, oh, wait, really? We're number one? Okay, cool. How much do we get? And then they look at what the maximum is, and they look at the Pirates' overall pool and say, well, listen, you said yourself our kid is number one, so here you pay up. You pay up. We don't care about your other 19 picks. We don't care if you can get a, another good arm in the second round. We don't care about that. We care about our kid. I think Charrington's gaming this whole thing. I think Charrington's going to get Mayor. I think Charrington's going to get Mayor at a price that works for Charrington and the Pirates. And I think Charrington's going to be able to apply some of that saved money toward a pick that's in the second or third, somewhere in that area, rounds, and that it'll be pitching. Did that sound like a prediction? All right, cool. Go ahead. Run with it then. We'll see. We'll have fun with it. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the good people at North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Home of Steak on a Stone, home of some of the best pirate sports memorabilia you'll find anywhere. The place is a baseball sports bar from front to back, side to side. Oh, it's also the home to our seventh anniversary bash that we're having for DK Pittsburgh Sports. That's on July 15. That's next Thursday, beginning at 5 p.m. Everyone is invited, whether you're a reader, a viewer, a listener, or a friend of a reader, a viewer, a listener. Come on down and have a good time. Uh, No catch, no cover, nothing like that. North Shore Tavern. Today's question comes from BP in Wilkinsburg, who says, DK, has anyone within the Pirates organization considered moving O'Neill Cruz to first base? It makes sense. He's a tall target, has infield experience at shortstop. On the surface, it would look like a much better choice than moving him to the outfield. It's not like that wouldn't have occurred to them, BP, when you have a 6'7 shortstop. Almost all things other than leaving him at shortstop will occur to you. But I'm going to first point out that it's to Cruz's considerable credit that he has stayed at shortstop as long as he had. Yeah, he'll commit some errors. Uh, He has a long way to go down to get a grounder. That's one of the thoughts that I had about watching him regularly in Bradenton is he'll get down there and he'll scoop it up. But it looks like it's much more of a chore than it should be. And and that's probably not being fair to him because there's nothing he can do about being 6'7". But it just feels like, uh-oh, that ball is low. Is he going to, is he going to, whoa, look at that. He actually got down there and got it. And I don't know that you want it to be that much of a, of a challenge the reason that i would not be in favor of the suggestion you make putting him at first base is that cruz comes with a tremendous arm and i don't believe that anyone benefits from that being wasted at first base yeah it's nice to have a good arm at first base uh, Fans who go back at least a little bit will recall Adam LaRoche playing the position for the Pirates and his real smooth, fluid throwing motion that he had going to second base. He uh, used to be a pitcher before he was planted at first. Um, You see the benefit this year of Colin Moran making smoother, smarter throws. And you see the negative that was erased when Josh Bell was traded away. Bell really, really struggled with it. So I don't want to dismiss completely the importance of an arm at first, but a rocket arm, an arm that gets rid of the ball the way Cruz does from the shortstop position, I've got to find a place for that in the field where it helps me. you know. And I feel like that's right field. Um, talking about the negatives... We've now seen for a couple of years what it's like to have a right fielder who can't throw at all. And that's what's happened to Polanco post-shoulder surgery. He's got nothing. Teams know it. They're running like crazy. And I, I feel embarrassed for him at times. Because you know he wants to get rid of it. You know he wants to do stuff that he used to do before the surgery. And you also know that he just flat out can't. To have somebody in right field who's young, who's fast, certainly for his size, he doesn't look awkward running or six seven guy, and who's able to turn around and, and gun it where he wants to and with some oomph to it, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him find a way to stick in right field. And I think that's what's going to happen here eventually. Remember, though, that the number one thing about getting Cruz to Pittsburgh remains. None of the above. It remains that he's got to hit not only with the power that he shows, and the power that he shows can be unbelievable at times. He's got to be productive. He's got to be smart. He's got to work the count. He's got to get on base. That hasn't always been there for him in his evolution as a player It's got to become that before he makes it up to Pittsburgh. That said, I'd be kind of surprised if you didn't see him here in September. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. And my goodness, am I looking forward to the next episode of this because we will be talking about the number one pick in the draft.